Uh, there we go. How's that? That's a whole lot better. All right. Sounds good. So uh, welcome to Northridge Church. Glad that you're here. I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever wondered whether or not God speaks to you? Whether or not God wants to speak to you? Have you ever wondered that? Have you wondered if God speaks to you, then how does God speak to you? Like, how does that work? Does he speak to you like I'm speaking to you right now and his microphone breaks and so he has to grab another microphone? Or how, do, how does God speak to you if he does speak to you? And, and then, one last question, if God speaks to you, then what should your response be when God says something? Now, if you've wondered any of those questions, maybe you've wondered those questions like, wow, those are good questions. I've wondered those questions. Some of you are like, I've never asked those questions. I don't care. Well, that's okay because I'm going to answer those questions anyway today. And we're going to dig into this. Now, last week, we started a brand new series, very simply called Troth. And Troth is very simply a word that means one person making a promise to another person and that person making a promise back to that person to be faithful. Troth means two people or two entities making a promise to be faithful, to be loyal, to be committed to one another. And so, uh, what we're doing in this series is very simple. This series is all about God's promise that He's made to you to be faithful and the promise that we need to make back to Him. What are those promises? God has made a ton of promises to us, but what are the promises that we need to make back to him. So we're talking about both of those sides of the, both sides of that coin, so to speak. And so today, the promise that we're going to talk about is the promise that God has promised that he wants to speak to you. Now, a lot of people think like God only speaks to pastors. Let me tell you, that's not true. That's not true. God speaks to me, but just because I'm a human being, not because I'm a pastor. The fact that I'm a pastor has no bearing on whether or not God speaks to me. He might say something different like, Brent, make sure your microphone works before service. I did. We tested it. It worked. All right? But God is going to speak to every one of us. He's made a promise that he's going to do that. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what are those promises going to be? What does that mean when he speaks to you? How does he speak to you? Okay? So the answer to does God speak to you, I've already answered that, right? He does. He wants to speak to you. He does speak to you. The question is not whether or not he's speaking. It's whether you're listening. That's the, the question that has to come next. But then after that, I think a really important question is, how does God speak? Right? Because if I asked you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and kind of commit to this, but if I asked you, how many of you have heard God speak in your life? Some of you would raise your hand. You'd be like, yep, I've heard that. Some of you would be like, hmm. I'm not sure. I, I think maybe sometimes. And then some of you would be like, I don't have a clue if God has spoken to me or not. Because I don't even know what he sounds like. I don't, I don't even know what his voice sounds like. Like, how would I know if God is speaking to me? Right? And so, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, I'm going to spend most of the time today talking about how does God speak. God speaks to you. He is speaking to you. The question is, how? What should you look for? How does God speak to you? So what I want to do is I want to offer three ways that God speaks to you. Now, these are not the only ways. You guys understand. I don't have, if I went through all the ways God speaks, we'd be here until dinner. 
and I know with an less one hour less of sleep, you do not want to stay here till dinner. You wouldn't want to do that anyway, would you? Besides, you're all here for the reveal anyway. You're going to have to wait. I'm getting that to the very end. You know why? Because I have a captive audience. Why not? <laughs> so I'll get there, but you have to wait a little bit. It'll be the last thing we do. But the truth is that God speaks, and so I want to give you three ways that he speaks, all right? So the first way, number one, God speaks to you through Scripture. God speaks to you through Scripture. He uses his word, God's word, the Bible, to speak to you. This is how one of the biggest ways, this is probably the most frequent way that God will speak to you. Let me kind of give you an example from uh, the Bible. So there's uh, a story in the Old Testament. And I have to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of history. Israel, the nation of Israel, at one point in their history, splits into two different kingdoms. The kingdom of Israel is in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And each of those two kingdoms were ruled by kings. Now, most of the time, it seems weird because they were all kings that are listed in the Bible, but most of the kings were evil. They lived against God's word and God's ways. In fact, so bad so that the temple in Jerusalem, most of the kings in the Bible, you can read about this, It'll say their name and say how long they ruled, and then it will give you a statement. One of those statements is, they did what pleased the Lord, but for most of the kings, it says they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Most of the kings used the temple to worship other gods and goddesses. They set up Asherah poles, and they set up all these idols, and they would worship other gods and goddesses. It would kind of be like, just to put this in perspective, it would kind of be like if I brought up some idol to Satan on a Sunday morning, and I said, hey, guys, so I've decided, I mean, God is pretty cool, but we're actually also going to, in addition to worship God, we're going to worship Satan as well. How many of you would be totally fine with coming in the village center to worship Satan? Probably not. But I'm just telling you, that's what a lot of the kings of Israel and a lot of kings of Judah did. Now, here's why I tell you that. Because eventually we get to the point where another king comes into the line, and his name is Josiah. And Josiah is a king that did what was right in the Lord's eyes. So he looks at the temple and he realizes, man, the temple is a mess. It's fallen apart. We need to get it fixed up. And so they, they go through uh, a yes campaign with green and blue balloons. I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. But he did raise money. The king raises money, and he gathers together this team of construction workers, and they fix up the temple. They renovate it inside and out. And while they're doing that, guess what happens? The high priest is kind of helping with all this, this work that's happening, and he finds something that was lost in the temple for we don't know how long, but we know it was lost. He finds something called the Book of the Covenant. You know what it was? It was a portion of the Old Testament. It had gotten so bad in Judah, the southern kingdom, that they had lost the Bible. Now, it didn't look like this. It was on a scroll. And so the high priest finds this scroll. It's called the Book of the Covenant. It's a portion of the Old Testament. And he's like, wow, the high priest, wow, look at this. It's the Bible. It's Scripture. This is amazing. And he reads it, and he's like, wow. And so he hands it off to the, this guy called the court secretary. And the court secretary, he takes it to the king, King Josiah. And you know what the king does? He's like, he's king. So you know what he does? He says, read it to me. 
The king can do that kind of a thing. He didn't read it himself. He tells the court secretary to read it to him. He's the king. He can do that. And so this guy reads it. And you know what happens to King Josiah as he's listening to Scripture? He starts breaking down. And I want to read for you his specific, very physical response to hearing God's word being read to him in his presence. 2 Kings 22, verse 11. This is, this is what it says happened. When the king, Josiah, heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, this is not a normal response for you and I. When was the last time you just decided you were so upset you were going to just tear your clothes? Probably most of us haven't. I, 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 don't, I don't even know of a time that I've ever done that. Right? Maybe by accident I caught it on something, but I haven't intentionally torn my clothes. King Josiah tore his clothes intentionally. Why? Because in their culture, that was an intense sign of grief, sorrow, and repentance. What Josiah knew was when he came face to face with the words and what God said, this is how you should be living, King Josiah realized, I'm not living that way at all. And it wrecked him. And so he tore his clothes, and he was so moved, you know what he did next? He gathered his entire kingdom together, all of the people of Judah. He gathered them all together, and guess what he did? He brought that same scroll out that he had read, and he tore his clothes and doing all that. And then he gathered them, and I want to read for you what happens. Next chapter, 2 Kings 23, verses 2 and 3. There the king, Josiah, read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. He didn't preach. He just had the book. He just read this book. He just read Scripture. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged, catch this, he pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. One of the most powerful ways that God will speak to you is through His Word, through Scripture. Why is that important? It's important because if you're not reading Scripture, then you're missing probably the biggest way that God will speak. That is the biggest way, most powerful way, that God will speak to you. And it could be this massive reading, like we've been reading, I've already read Scripture twice already this morning. could be in public, or it could be you by yourself in your house reading Scripture privately. God will speak to you through Scripture. All right, so one way that God will speak to you, through His Word. Another way, a second way that God is going to speak to you is through people. He's going to use human beings to speak to you through sometimes people are going to actually give you God's Word. Sometimes they're going to give you a word from the Lord. They're going to do something or say something that's going to maybe make sense, maybe not in the moment. But God will speak to you through people. So let me give you an example of this from Scripture. So a different king, how many of you have heard of King David? All right? Okay. King Josiah was like, I don't know, I've never heard of that guy. But King David like, yeah, and he, he's the guy that killed Goliath. Yes, he is. So this is a long time after he killed Goliath. He's become king of Israel at this point. And King David was a really good king. He was a man after God's heart, but he went through a season in his life where he gave himself into sin in a really bad way. 
he committed an affair outside of marriage. And because some things happened that it was going to become public, he decided to try to cover it up. And you know how he did it? He had the woman's husband murdered. Talk about some sin, right? It's kind of messy. Well, obviously, let me ask you this. Do you think that God was honored by the way David was living? Clear answer is obviously not. He doesn't want us to be committing affairs and definitely doesn't want us committing murder to cover it up. And so he is not pleased with David, and so he has to confront David. But God decides not to confront David through his direct voice or through Scripture. He sends a person to confront David. He sends a guy named Nathan. So Nathan the prophet hears, and I want to read for you what happens. 2 Samuel verse, or chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to what happens. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David, King David, was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. That must have been quite a moment when Nathan the prophet calls out the king of Israel. By the way, that took some gall for Nathan the prophet to call David out, right? I mean, the king can do whatever he wants. He just had a guy murdered with a snap of his finger, with a word done. Nathan knows this. That's why he's confronting the king. And he confronts the king. And sometimes God is going to use people to confront us. But the the honest truth is, most of the time, people, God has not used people to confront me. You, You know how I feel about when people confront me? How do you guys feel? Man, thank you for that. I love you so much. Do you have anything else to confront me with? Let's just make the list. Let's just keep going. Is that how you respond? I'm just going to be honest. That's now how I respond. I'm like, who are you? Right? I don't always say that, but that's what I'm thinking. Right? And I'm getting angry. My my face is getting flushed. Like, people confronting me, man, I'm not a big fan of that. But the truth is that God will sometimes use people to confront you. And we need to listen, even when we don't like it. But sometimes, more often, at least in my life, God will send people to comfort you. I've had people comfort me way more than I've had people confront me. And I'm thankful for that. Sometimes God will send people to encourage you, to give you wisdom, to give you guidance, to give you direction. Sometimes God will send people simply to kind of help you with a decision. But God speaks through people, just like he did with Nathan to David. All right, we've got to keep going. 
because otherwise I can't get to the really good stuff that you guys are waiting to hear. God speaks in the third way. He speaks through Scripture, He speaks through people, and then He speaks sometimes directly to you. He doesn't use a person. He doesn't use any other medium. He doesn't use Scripture. He just all of a sudden brings His voice directly to you. Now, sometimes that's going to be audible. Sometimes that's going to be a a thought. Sometimes it's going to be like a gut thing. I have heard God's voice in all of those ways. But the truth is that sometimes he's going to bring his voice directly to you. And here's the thing. Some of you are going to say, well, how do I know it's not just my thought and it's God's voice? Well, one way that you're going to know is you're going to know that it's right without knowing why it's right. There's a lot of times when God has, has spoken his voice to me and he's told me to do something And it makes no sense to me or the rest of the world, anybody around me, but in here, in my soul, I know I have to do that in that moment. Even though it doesn't make any sense, it makes complete sense because God makes it make sense. Let me give you an example of this. I have shared this story one other time uh, in public, and uh, so some of you have already heard this because I've shared this at Northridge. So my wife and I, this was years ago, probably 15 years ago, something like that. My wife and I were walking out of a store. My parents actually were with us. They were walking just ahead of us. And we were walking out of the store through the parking lot. And, uh, and we were passing this young couple. I, don't, I think they were boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, teenagers. Uh, they were teenager age. And, uh, and I'd never seen them before, but they were walking past us to go into the store as we were walking out of the store. And, uh, and the guy looks at me, and he sees my T-shirt that I'm wearing. There's a black T-shirt, Green Bay Packers champion, Super Bowl champion T-shirt. Like, it was awesome. I, I, had, I don't know where. I got it as a gift, and I don't know where whoever got it as a gift for me. That where they, I'd never seen one like it. And so this guy, he sees this, and he must have been a Packers fan because he's like, go, Pack, go, you know, kind of a thing. He's like, I love your shirt. And I was like, thanks, man. And then, so we're, so that, that was before we ever got to him. He's still in front of us. And in that moment, I kid you not, it was not audible, but right in that moment, God said, give him your shirt. <laughs> yeah, what? Exactly. That's what I heard. A couple of you said, what? <laughs> what do you think I said to God in that moment? In my head. What? That's exactly what I said. And I ignored him. I ignored God. I was like, no, no. You know why I said no? There's two reasons for this, right? One, I didn't want to give him my shirt. I liked that shirt. It was one of my favorite T-shirts. It was still to this day, right? The second reason is, let's be honest, it's going to be weird if I give him my shirt. That's probably the bigger reason. I'm like, that's just weird. Okay, important note to the story, I did have another T-shirt on underneath. Otherwise, this story gets really awkward really fast. <laughs> talk, talk about the prophet walking half naked through the, the, the parking lot, throwing shirts out and preaching. <laughs> Nobody's coming to our church anymore. It's like that crazy pastor in Northridge. Woo! Of course, these are the days before Northridge even existed. But I, I was like, so that's what's going on. And so they walk past us. This all happens within about... Five to ten seconds. I mean, it was really fast. And I'm like, no, no, no. God kept saying, give him your shirt. Give him your shirt. Give him your shirt. I'm not sure if God was doing that, but I felt like it. And I'm like, no. 
And before I know it, I'm like, fine. And so I take my outer shirt, my T-shirt off. Again, I had my other shirt on. Otherwise, it's weird. And I take that shirt off, and I wad it up, and I run back to the guy. And I say, hey, man, because I don't know him. I don't know his name. I've never met this guy. And he turns around, and I throw the shirt at him, and he catches it. And I say, the shirt's yours. God bless you. And he's like, seriously? Really? He's like, no, man, I can't. I was like, nope, you're supposed to have my shirt. And he looked at me like, he didn't ask why, but he looked at me like, why? And I'm like, don't ask me why, because I don't know why. So that's the look I gave him. And I just said, enjoy it. And, and then I turned around and walked. And my wife and my parents are looking at me like, what is your problem? Weirdo, right? But the truth is that I knew in that moment that God wanted me to do that. Now, here's the truth. It made complete sense, even though it made no sense at all. I have never before that time ever given my shirt to anybody. And can I tell you that never before after that, never since then, have I given my shirt to somebody. You know why? Because God hasn't told me to do it. And I'm kind of thankful for that. Thank you, Lord. You know what's going to happen this week? I'm going to have to give somebody my shirt. I'm going I'm to wear two shirts this week just in case. All right? The truth is, when God speaks directly to you, you're going to know it. Especially when it's a thought that you're like, I've never had this thought before. This doesn't make any sense. A lot of times when it makes no sense to you, but you know it's right, like you know it's right, that's God. He's telling you to do something. You better do it. Now, you know how, you know what would be awesome in this story is if, like, you know, I told you that guy, I didn't even recognize him. I, I wouldn't even be able to pick him out in a crowd anywhere. If he was sitting here, I'd have no idea. He could be sitting here. But you know what's never, he's never come to Northridge like some other time. This was another part of Wisconsin, I think. But he's never come to Northridge, got baptized because, oh, I remember when you gave me your shirt. That would be cool, but I don't know. I have no idea why God wanted me to give him his shirt that day. But I know God wanted me to. It was clear. Sometimes God will speak directly to you, and you're going to know it even though it's not going to make sense to you. It'll make sense to do it. So God speaks through Scripture. God speaks through people. And God speaks directly sometimes to you. Directly to your thoughts, directly to your heart, to your soul, to your mind. So let me give you one last story out of Scripture that puts all of this together. I have a story where God spoke in every one of those ways and it moved to a powerful moment where it changed somebody's life. You ready? So Acts chapter 8. If you like to follow along in your Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to read actually the whole section of this story. Acts chapter 8. It's about a guy named Philip. Now, there is a disciple, an apostle who followed Jesus. He was one of the 12 named Philip. That's not this Philip. This Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist. You know why he was known as Philip the Evangelist? Because he led a ton of people to Jesus. He was an evangelist. And so Philip the Evangelist, this story is about him. I want to read it. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 26, if you're following along. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him. Now notice, God spoke directly to Philip, but he went through an angel. That was another. That's a fourth one that I could have used today. Sometimes he uses scripture, sometimes he uses people, sometimes he speaks directly, sometimes he'll send an angel to you. He sends an angel to speak on behalf of God to Philip. 
An angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Basically, he's saying, go take a walk. Basically what he did. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So catch this. This guy is sitting in the carriage going along on this road. God has just sent through an angel Philip to walk on this same road. God is speaking to this Ethiopian guy through Scripture. So God has spoken through an angel. Now he's speaking through Scripture to this Ethiopian eunuch, the treasurer who works for the queen of Ethiopia. And now Philip is walking along the road on this same moment in the same time. Okay, Notice that God is doing something here. Okay, see what happens next. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, now there's no people, there's no angels. God speaks directly to Philip. He's walking along. He says, go over and give him your T-shirt. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. See, I don't know. Like, it'd be helpful if some of my stories were in Scripture and be like, God, it's a little more normal. I don't know. I I think sometimes God's just messing with me. But anyway... The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. He, just, he didn't say do anything. He just said walk along beside the carriage. Okay, cool. Walk along beside the carriage. Got it. So he does that. Philip asked. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you were reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Now we know why Philip is there. And he urged Philip... He's hearing from God. Notice this. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Do you know what that passage is about? It's about Jesus. It's no accident that this Ethiopian eunuch was reading about Jesus at the same moment that God sent Philip to walk along the carriage, and then he sent Philip over there to walk along the carriage, and and then the Ethiopian invites him into the carriage. Do you see how God's voice works? God orchestrated the whole thing. Now watch what happens. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, what was the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip is like, oh, man, this is so teed up. Like, God, you're just teeing the whole thing up. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He started preaching about Jesus. He's like, okay, man, you need to hear about this guy named Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. Can you tell that God's voice is speaking to the eunuch now? And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? What? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Isn't this amazing? Earlier that day, God sends an angel to Philip, and he says, Philip, I want you to go for a walk along this random road. I don't know about you, but when, 
If God says take a random walk, it doesn't make any sense. But you know it makes sense, so you're going to do it. So Philip does it. He's like, why am I walking on this road? Can you imagine? Like, we don't know. Maybe you walked for a few minutes. Maybe you walked for a couple of hours. We don't know. But he was walking because that's what God told him to do. And so he's walking. Now there's this carriage. And the Ethiopian, he's reading Scripture out loud. And Philip's like, "Uh okay, God, I'm starting to pick it up. And then he says, go over, walk by the carriage. He gets in the carriage. They talk about Jesus. And now this guy gives his life to Christ. He gives his life to Jesus. Wow. When God's voice speaks, whatever way he's speaking, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Now, here's a question I have for you. It's a really important one. When God speaks, what should we do? There's only one answer. There's only one answer. If you give any other answer, it's the wrong one. Not always quite that straightforward and brutal, but it's true. When God speaks, there's only one right answer. And you know what that word is? Obedience. When God's voice comes to us, obedience is the only thing. In fact, we know this too. When King Josiah heard God's voice through Scripture, what did he do? He tore his clothes. He repented immediately. When the people of Judah heard the king reading Scripture, what did they do? They repented. When Nathan heard and God said, I want you to go, I want you to go, and I want you to confront the king about his sin. (laughs) Uh, What? That that would be like God coming to you and telling you to go confront the president in his messes, right? Um, So, President Biden, I just wanted to let you know, thanks for letting me in, by the way. Are you going to think you're even going to get an audience with him? But God tells you, go and confront the president of the United States. This is essentially what Nathan had to do. What did Nathan do? He did it right away. He went and told him the story and confronted him in his sin. What did David do when he was confronted in his sin? He repented. I didn't read that part, but that's what David did. He repented of his sin immediately. He knew he was caught. What happened when Philip heard God? He took a walk. When he said, go over the carriage, he went over. When the Ethiopian was reading from Scripture, what did he do? He was reading from Scripture. When God said, get baptized, there's some water. Let's get baptized. The only right response when God speaks is obedience. In fact, uh, I wanted to just highlight this. Pastor Nick, you highlighted this last week, and it just it actually put, sparked this idea for me. I want you to just look at the Connect card real quick. Seriously. Flip it over to the back, in fact. Here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the back of that Connect card. Do you know why we do those Connect cards? A lot of people think that we do those Connect cards just for new people so that we can get them on our email list. Right? That's what, that's what a lot of times people think. Like, oh, it's on there so that we can get onto the Northridge News email list. That's a good thing. I'm not saying that's bad. That's great. I, I hope you fill it out. I hope you get on that email list. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. But do you know why the back of that card is and why we put one on every single chair every single Sunday? The reason is because when we hear God's voice, and I'm telling you, people hear God's voice every single Sunday in various different ways. When you hear God's voice, when he tells you to do something, this Connect card is there so that you can immediately respond in whatever way you need to. Because here's what we know. If you walk out and ignore him, After lunch, you're going to forget about this. 
And so we want you to be able to respond to God immediately. It might be that you want to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you realize you've been going to church your whole life, but you've never actually made a decision to follow him for yourself. There's an opportunity for you to respond. You can check that, and guess what? You will get a response from our staff. You will. I know because we follow up on these every single week. Whether we get one or we get 10 or we get 30, we follow up on every one. It might be that you want to renew your commitment. It might be that you want to know more about following Jesus because you don't believe in Jesus and you want to know more about him. Maybe you do want to get baptized. You know what? One of the things that happened through our spiritual journey, one of the biggest things, we have a lot of people who want to get baptized. So many so that we're going to have, for the first time in the history of our church, we're going to have a baptism in the spring and in the fall. That's a good deal. I know. That's awesome. You can clap for that, Ben. That's cool. This is a big deal. God is moving. And when God speaks, we don't want you walking out of here not having responded because you know what happens when you check a box and say, I want to get baptized? We find you and we bring water to your house and we dunk you as fast as we can. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. Some of you are like, oh, man. Like some of you were scared. We don't do that. That would be so weird. But you know what we do? We follow up. We call you and say, hey, Looks like maybe God was saying, you want to get baptized? Yeah, but I'm kind of scared about it. That's usually what we hear. But I don't, I don't know why. I'm kind of worried about it. Like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And we'll talk, okay, what questions do you have? And we talk it through. And you know what? Then they do what God wants them to do. Whether it's to get baptized or not, we just talk it through. We're just there to follow up. We're the accountability. When God speaks, we have to obey. Because listening And obeying God's voice is even better. It's even bigger than sacrificing for God. Let me prove this to you. One last scripture reference. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Now, That's kind of harsh to read right after a campaign where what did we all just do? Including my wife and I and our staff and everybody in our church. We just sacrificed a lot, didn't we? We sacrificed to fast and we sacrificed to pray and we sacrificed to do all these things. And we sacrificed financially. We're like, man, we just finished sacrificing. And the first thing you do is you read a scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice. I'm sorry. I love you guys. But the truth is that obedience is better than sacrifice. You know why you sacrificed? Because you first obeyed. Why did we start with a spiritual journey where we fasted and where we prayed and we did all those things? Why did we do that first? You know why we did that first? Because you need to hear God's voice first as to what you're supposed to sacrifice. And then obedience leads to sacrifice in a powerful and amazing way. Which is what brings us to this point, this moment. So here's what I want to do. I want to reveal to you the ways that we heard God and the sacrifices that we made as a church. All of this came out of obedience. All of this came out of obedience. Without obedience, and by, and by the way, I'm about to get even more harsh. You know what sacrifice is without obedience? It's appeasement. 
you are trying to, like all other religions in the world, maybe not all, but most, you are trying to appease God. You're trying to cover up your disobedience by sacrificing enough for him so maybe you, he'll, he'll kind of let you go. No, no, no. Obedience first, sacrifice as a result, and God will be honored by both. And we saw God move powerfully because of that. We really did. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with how we started the campaign. I'm going to start with the spiritual numbers. I'm going to start with all the different things that happened, and I'm going to get to that last, like, I don't know, you guys want to hear about the money number or something? Maybe you're wondering about that. Maybe I've gotten a few questions about that. Maybe I've had to say, you know what, Sunday's coming a few times. You guys are just trying to get peaks. I get it. It's cool. But let me start with the spiritual numbers, then we'll end with the financial number, and then we'll get out of here. Okay? All right. So through the uh, campaign, and before I get into this, I'll just say these two things. This is going to be hard, uh, but you've... We've been holding this secret for the last, you know, two, three weeks. I mean, to be honest, the last few numbers, they came in just like three days ago. And so we've been adding to that number for literally the last, up to the last three, four days, a couple days. Uh, so we've been kind of holding on to this secret for a while. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You guys are first service. Did you realize that? You're first service. Here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's really hard, but... For the next hour and a half, this has to remain the best-kept secret in the world. For the next hour and a half. We're not even posting the service at our normal time today. We're not even doing that. It's gonna, we're going to wait until the after-second service. So you guys have the best-kept secret for another hour and a half. And you know what I want you to do after an hour and a half has gone by, about 1130 today? I want you to tell as many people as you can about it because God is awesome. And people need to hear what God did. So for the next hour and a half, best kept secret ever. After that, tell as many people as you possibly can. And make sure you give glory to God. Make sure you give glory to God. The other thing that I wanted to share before I reveal all these numbers is, um, if you were here last week, I made a joke. Uh, I was reading scripture and God made a list of all the different things that the Israelites could bring as a financial sacrifice, you know, um, to help pay for a new sanctuary, new temple, a building 24-7, which is why we're doing this too. And, uh, and one of the things that was listed in there was goat hair. Do you guys remember that? And I joked and I was like, I was kind of disappointed. Our entire campaign, we got no goat hair. You realize that? You know what I received this last week? I got a note from somebody in this card. And they said, we felt really bad that, you didn't, that we didn't get any goat hair. And so we wanted to make sure that we sacrificed some goat hair for you. I kid you not. There's real deal goat hair in there. And it's even labeled goat hair. So I make sure I know it's not like Hannah's hair or something, which I do find fairly often as well, right? And so this is awesome. Like the, the campaign is complete. We even have goat hair now, guys. This is pretty awesome. Okay. So... For this campaign, what happened? So uh, let me share the first number. The first number is 186. 186 is how many people committed in some way, shape, or form to go through the spiritual journey on an official commitment. There were more people that did that, but these are the ones that officially committed, turned it in, and said, I commit, sign the card, whatever the case is. So just shy of 200 people, which is amazing. 
All right? So all of that, if you add all those things up, we spent, because of all those commitments, 3,066 minutes in prayer. Now, that's only that one minute every afternoon. I don't know about you, but our family, we ended up spending usually more like three, four, five minutes or longer in prayer. Uh, we prayed for that first minute, but then we kept praying sometimes. Sometimes we didn't. Sometimes it was a minute or two. But my guess is it's even more, but that's the minimum. Because of the spiritual journey guides, we had 4,464 Bible chapters that were read throughout our church. How awesome is that? In three weeks, just three weeks, 10,788 journal questions that were read and responded to or thought about. That's pretty amazing. Now let's get to the fasting. This is pretty cool. We had 45 people who fasted a specific comfort item for three weeks. Some of those were pretty intense comfort items. So that equates to 945 total days that were fasted from a comfort item. 42 people fasted one meal per day for 21 days for a total of 882 meals. 32 people fasted one day, a whole day. They fasted the whole day per week, which equated to 288 meals. And 12 people fasted an entire week, water only, which equated to 252 meals. Just imagine. And then if you add up everything else that everybody else fasted, because other people did like variations of those fasts, and so we added all those up, this is what the total was. We had 1,764 total meals that were fasted through that whole time. Isn't that amazing? We've, we gave up a lot of food. We gave up a lot of food. Again, this is all about obedience. Now, let me get to the financial stuff. So all of that, you know why we did all that? You guys remember, all of that we did so that we can obey God, so we can hear God's voice. But then it also led to the sacrifices that we were going to make financially. So let me just remind you before we get to this kind of the number, okay? And we're going to give you the one number here in a moment. And then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to leave. And we're done. Because that's why you guys came anyway. See, we literally waited to the last second. Aren't you glad? So you guys know that we hired a company, an organization called Enjoy. And what they do is they help churches that need to go through this kind of a process because sometimes we don't know what we're doing when it comes to that. And so they came in, they helped us say, you know, this is how you can do this. Maybe you could have balloons, you know, all that stuff. And one of the things that they did, though, is they take a lot, all of our giving that is already happening, and they plug that into their equations, and they plug that into their, you know, all their formulas, and it spits out, based on math and science, the numbers that we should be able to expect as a church to be able to raise with our size of church and our level of giving, okay? So I'm just going to remind you of those numbers. So our numbers from Enjoy, on a low level, they give you three numbers. On a low level, they said 300,000. On a mid-range level, 450,000. And on a high range, 600,000, okay? Now, I shared this a few weeks ago. Uh, when I shared those numbers... On that Sunday, which is Sunday the 29th, Ryan and Crystal Doslek had their son Blake here. He was sitting right over here, right about where the Volks are. Good spot. And Blake was sitting there. He's six years old, and he's listening. And when he's in here, he's not always in here. Usually he's in there with the kids. But this particular Sunday, he was in here. And he likes to take notes as I'm talking. 
He does. Sometimes it's pictures, sometimes it's words, sometimes whatever. And so he's just taking notes, this six-year-old. By the way, I think he's a prophet. And he's taking notes. And you know what he did? He heard me reveal those numbers. Again, they weren't our numbers. They were from Enjoy. And, and we got a text from his mom, from Crystal, later that day. She had taken a picture of his notes, and she said this. She said, essentially, Blake felt like the numbers you shared today were easily achievable and wrote new goals. And I want to show you a picture. Go ahead and show them the picture. The picture is this. This is awesome. These are his numbers. These are Blake's numbers. He said, nope, low number is 750,000. I don't know about you, but that is a huge jump. Talk about faith. 885,000, and then he put as a high, he's like seven digits for sure. A million dollars. Okay. Okay, Blake. That's pretty awesome, though, isn't it? A six-year-old believing what God can do. So, one more number before the last one. Throughout the campaign, we had 129 total giving units that gave to this campaign. That's awesome. And by the way, this is really cool. I didn't even know this until this last week. And I don't know every, all, all, who all these people are. But there were some kids and some teenagers that wanted to give above and beyond out of their own giving apart from their family. And so we added them into the number. That was just, it was just a handful. But there were kids and teenagers that committed specifically apart from their family. And so that's represented in that number, 129 people. And just understand that most of that equates to families. And so this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that sacrifice for this. It's pretty awesome. So you guys want to know the number? <laughs> Have we built it up enough? So I'll just say this. Wisconsinites, sometimes we tend to be a little reserved in the whole church thing. This is not one of those times. So we'll get to the final number. And I hope that you realize how much we need to cheer and hoot and holler for God. Because God is awesome. And he really worked and he really moved. And so it would be awesome if I would just say the number and then we go. But we thought that would be pretty dumb. And so what we're going to do is we're going to reveal the number one digit at a time. Do you like drama or not? Like, I do. And so what we're going to do is it's going to show up on the screen, and when we get to that final number, you're going to know, right? You're going to know. And then, well, just do what God tells you to do in that moment. And we're going to give him the glory. Amen? All right. So let's start from the right side. We're going to start in the single digits and see how we do. And we'll move our, our way up. And hopefully we get up to a decent number. All right? All right. Let's, let's see. We have a dollar.
praise you, Jesus. It's awesome, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? When God speaks, we obey and we sacrifice. Amazing things happen. God is so good. Isn't that awesome? All right, let me pray for us. And then best kept secret for an hour and a half. And then after that, tell the world. Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Uh, everybody, hands out and open. Just, just, just let's receive what God wants. God, I pray that you would now take this as a church. God, you have blown us out of the water. There's no way we should have been able to do this. God, I pray that you would take this now and you would move on us. And now we have, with great blessing that you have given to us, comes great responsibility. And so going forward now, help us to be faithful, to chase and run, as Jess said earlier, after you. To follow you with every ounce that's in us. And to show people how much we love you and how much people we love people and help us to point people to Jesus. This might be through that 24-7 building that we get, but more than that, it's going to be how much we love you and follow you and love people. And so God, with great blessing comes great responsibility. I believe the best is yet to come. Move on us, shake us, wreck us, and help us to do even more and greater things in the days ahead. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Yes. Praise Jesus.